Christmas at Abbott House. I guess you could say that I was socially awkward. That wasn't hard to figure out since Yvonne nailed the windows in our apartment shut. There was a reason behind her madness. It wasn't like she did it to be mean or anything. Since we lived on the third floor in the middle of the crime-infested South Bronx, the cheaply insulated windows let the chilling, crisp breeze in at winter times, and the nimble, dexterous thieves in at the summer. However, the irony remained that whoever was breaking in never actually stole anything. So, to call them a thief was stretching it. Because the truth was that we were so poor there wasn't anything of value to actually steal. Maybe he was napping. The only evidence were the jimmied window clamps, the mysterious handprints plastered all over the glass, and the dirty footprints that led nowhere. So I was a social recluse regulated to reading the same Humpty Dumpty subscription magazines and children's Bible indefinitely, which leads me to Christmases in general. Mostly, I didn't look forward to them. To me, it wasn't much different than any other day except that I had to stay home for two weeks straight over the winter holiday. You see, at public school 81, being in special education meant taking home a report card every day. You would get graded from 1 to 100 through 8 periods, and then the teacher jotted notes of how you behaved during the day. You couldn't just hide these reports from your parents. They required an adult's signature. It wasn't as easy as teen movies made it out to be. You know, like forging your mom's name. No, because your mom expected to sign something every afternoon. Which meant that if you wanted to fool everybody, you'd have to forge the whole report. That required a big-time operation. My brain and conscience wasn't equipped for that. Every Christmas was like clockwork. I couldn't figure out how to behave. Mostly I got 50s, 60s, 70s, with some random complaint from my 5th grade teacher, Mr. Schneider. Although I have to admit I often misbehaved, Schneider always conveniently left out of the report how he picked me up by my collar and threw me against a bunch of desks. I'm sure that wasn't in a manual of how to be a great teacher to inner-city troubled youth. In fact, it was nothing like Dangerous Minds or Blackboard Jungle, where the white teachers dashes in to save the day from rowdy inner-city youth. On the contrary, the Christmas beatings instead of pudding reminded me of that fact. When I became a ward of the state, or the product of the system, ironically, it was a relief of having the choice of going home or not. Christmas was my favorite time of the year. See, the state didn't care if you were good or bad in class. 
there weren't any daily reports. What exactly is a ward of the state? Here's the definition in regards to children. If a child has been neglected or abused, and it has been proven, then a court may step in to appoint a guardian to ensure their safety and well-being. Often this is temporary, until the child can be placed with family, or if the parent or supervising guardian successfully completes parenting or anger management courses. A minor that becomes a ward of the state is protected by law. The appointed guardian is tasked with finding a suitable home, schooling, and other details for the child to be able to grow in a safe environment. Abbott House is only a shell of itself now. Having sold off the sprawling main campus in Irvington, New York, due mostly to a lack of funding for the troubling dysfunctional. Why not make more money off rich white parents who had the misfortune of having a developmentally challenged child? But before that occurred, Abbott House was a bustling estate full of at-risk youth such as myself. At Leaky Watts, Pleasantville, Children's Village, and Abbott House, Christmas felt like Christmas should have felt like, at least to me. My first wish that was granted was not having to see Yvonne's face during the holiday. Although these places strongly recommended you men ways with your family, I enjoyed basking in the uncertainty of orphanhood. Roderick, Alonzo Bruin, Francisco Rodriguez, Luis Ocasio, all the bullies that shoved your face into the garbage can or pondered how oddly shaped your head was while pouring ladles full of soup over the top of it, they all went home during this time. And more likely than not, you were left with your favorite counselor on Christmas Day, her gigantic breast dangling in your face. She would cuddle you in her arms and whisper sweet nothings in your ear. And maybe, just maybe, you would get lucky with a cheap accidental feel-up. She didn't mind. You never wondered why she didn't have a place to go on Christmas, why they even bothered at wanting to spend that time with you. Of course, that was before you knew about time and a half and triple pay. Everything seemed to be going for you on this day. Channel 5 was playing a Godzilla marathon. And mealtime was your favorite. For lunch, there was processed turkey slices, canned corn with a dollop of powdered mashed potatoes. For dinner, the people upstairs had the audacity to leave 20 bucks for two pizza pies. All for yourself and the love of your life. Yes, Christmas was a grand old time, 
when you are property of the state of New York, especially when they gave each kid 60 bucks to spend it however they wished. And plus, you got presents. So you see, there really was a Santa Claus. It just didn't reside in an apartment at West 183rd Street in the South Bronx. Maybe it was because we didn't have chimneys and the windows were nailed shut. <laughs>